Are you a fan of in-depth conversations on a wide variety of subjects? Then you need to head out on the open highway. I'm Eric Erickson. I bring my crazy career and interests in a variety of subjects to the show. And since I seem to know, well, a little bit about everything, it's just enough to get me into trouble. The open highway is like going on a road trip and meeting all different sorts of people. It's that old idea of sitting at that diner counter, having coffee, and talking with folks with completely different backgrounds. One episode might be a political operative, the next a professional wrestler, and the next a philosopher. Just having good old-fashioned conversation. If it's interesting to me, I'm sure it'll be interesting to you too. The Open Highway. New episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. Get them wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Today we'll be talking about Larry David, Curb Your Enthusiasm, and Cringe Comedy. And we'll be talking about Andropause. This is Doctor vs. Comedian. I'm Dr. Asif Doja, and this is the Doctor of Laughs. Not a real doctor. Ali Hassan. Every episode, I pick a topic for Ali from comedy and entertainment and question him about it. Then Ali picks a topic from medicine and health and grills me on that topic. Today, in honor of the new season of Curb Your Enthusiasm coming out recently on HBO, we'll discuss Larry David and cringe comedy. And we've discussed menopause in the past with Dr. Jen Gunter. Today, we'll be discussing andropause. And Ali, just before we get started, everything okay with your not a real doctor? You sounded somewhat depressed. I don't know. Is everything okay? No, I just, I'm so, so sad to not be a doctor sometimes, you know? I know that's what the people demand of me. I know there's a lot of listeners we have who think, I wish the other guy was the doctor. That would be way better. You don't wish that. Nobody has ever said that. Nobody has been like, I wish that guy. They may be like, I wish that guy knew what he was talking about. That's a possibility, but not... They don't want me in an official capacity, I don't imagine. Yeah, I'm just trying different voices on my not a real doctor. I'm trying to attack it from a different, right? Uh, I'm going a highfalutin uh, British next next episode. Be prepared. Not a real doctor. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Is that highfalutin enough? I don't you? know. That's like, uh, you sound like the little Britain guys, you know? <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, that's exactly. Sounded like. That's, that's what I'm going for. So you uh, you saw a nice movie. You were in the Marvel Universe. Yes, I uh, saw it at Disney Plus. I'm still not ready to go with my family to a um, movie theater, but Shang-Chi. And the legend of the uh, okay. oh, actually, I'm hold not, on, hold listen, on, hold on, listen, no, 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 no. I know okay. what you're going to say. I know yes. what you're going to say. I got okay. it. I watched the movie. It's Shang Chi, and the Legend of the Ten Rings. That's what you were going to say, right? I got that's it. I got it. All. No, oh. no, no, no. That's I how love you say a good, it. I love a good self censorship. Shang Chi. This is like when people go. I had a nice bowl of pho, and some actually, it's pronounced. Uh, and you know, I mean, like, I get this, this. There's place for all those people in this world, and I'm glad you. What I was going to tell you is like the theaters. You know, 400 seat theaters have like 30 people in them. It's a pretty inherently socially distant exercise these days. I have to tell you. I mean, I think you'd be surprised at how I've been twice on a Tuesday in the last 18 months. Just coincidentally, that's just how it went. And both times it was like not well attended. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how 
Hollywood. Yeah, I, I've gone by myself. Uh, well, well, sorry. Well, I mean, I have friends. I went with my friend. Uh, but, um, well, okay. My alleged friend. Uh, his name is, um, ugh, God, Shang-Chi. Microphone Shang-Chi. <laughs> his name is Mike Rofone. You know, you know, his father's a doctor, Dr. Rofone. Anyway, uh, no, I did. I did go. I went to like the, you know, those VIP cinemas where they serve you food and stuff like that. Uh, so that was even more spaced out. So I was comfortable with that. But, you know, not all my kids are vaccinated because of age, by the way, not because of their uh, personal choice. Your notorious, <laughs> notorious 10 year old anti-vaxxer child. So I, um, you know, I, you know, I'm sure we will eventually when something um, really good comes up. But anyway, I knew that Shang she was coming out in a few months so so we saw it yeah we saw it on disney plus um movie night in the basement and so you haven't seen it uh, have you ali i haven't we will we will before i think this is like great christmas viewing you know we're adding up all these various things this will be the holiday whether we achieve those goals or not remains to be seen but this is on the christmas list my schedule really frees up after early december or i would say by mid-december it's going to be a lot of free time, and that's when we're going to get HBO back. We don't have HBO. We, <laughs> put, we took a you break. Put it on hold. Okay, right. We put it on hold, and I was on set with uh, my my new friend, my pal Aurora Brown, and she was desperate to talk about season three of Succession. Desperate. Every time I walked by her, she was asking a different person, have you seen, are you watching Succession? Are you watching? No. And it's like it's a cast and crew. Like the crew has been working 14 hour days for two months nobody had seen anything on that cast and they're you know when they go home they certainly don't want to watch more tv they've been working in tv and uh, i was like soon december and she's like oh my god you can't oh god she was so frustrated not to talk about it but yeah there's a few things coming out that i'm excited so to watch your, and shang chi will be your one christmas of um holiday plan so that's good yeah i mean it's nice to kind of watch these with the family like these kind of family movies marvel movies and uh, there's always, you know, this is just an aside. There's always a bit too much swearing in these movies. I don't know why. Like, why do you have to drop like an S word and, uh, you know, I don't know. Did you? <laughs> an S word? Well, I don't want to swear on this podcast because then I'm do <laughs> doing the same problem. Right. I'm like, no, I you, know. You know, it's this funny. Is I, I'll tell you why I'm laughing at they you have to say an S word. It's supremely comical to me because what I've been watching with my six year old and yes, this is highly inappropriate. I'm aware of that. But he wanted to watch that Leafs documentary on Amazon. And I don't know if you know how NHL coaches and players talk. I'm not exaggerating when I say every third to fourth word is, a, is, a, is an F-bomb. Like completely unnecessary. Even you do well, you do poorly. At uh, least just talking about let's back check. It's like let's effing back check. Let's, uh, that's the way you effing score, boys. That's what I'm effing talking about. This is the coach. And every time my wife and I look at each other, like, should be, I mean, my son needs his Toronto Maple Leafs propaganda. And there was no telling him, like, you're not old enough to watch something about your favorite team. But it is, I mean, it's crazy. Like, if my son starts swearing profusely tomorrow, we'll be like, yeah, that makes sense. It's almost a miracle he doesn't. Yeah, and I'm sure you can just blame it solely and only on that Leafs documentary. On the Toronto Maple Leafs yeah. organization. Not you at entirely. all. Anyway, no. <laughs> So, back to Shang Chi, which I'm pronouncing properly. I did I didn't know the pronunciation until I saw it in the movie, and they very blatantly explain how that's how you pronounce it. So this movie, uh, other than those the swearing, which is not 
the problem with this movie. That's in like every superhero movie. They have to swear sometimes. Okay, so here's my review of this movie. It is an excellent Marvel movie. One of the best Marvel movies with the most boring main character I've ever seen in a Marvel movie. And it's so sad because I like Simu Liu. He's, you know, a Canadian guy, uh, was on Kim's Convenience. His story, his rise is one of the greatest stories. For people who don't know Simu, please look him up and see what this guy has been able to accomplish in this in this last decade of work. It's and amazing. Is, he was a business guy, martial artist. He did martial arts when he was younger, did business at, uh, at Western University, my med school alma mater uh and uh and then he quit business and decided to try acting did stunt work right and then and then did this so anyway it's just it's not his fault he didn't write the movie uh but his i just find his character is so boring and i'm trying to not um ruin parts of the movie for it but there's a part where the villain explains the motivation and basically Simu Liu's character, Shang-Chi, just kind of like disagrees and says, no, you're wrong, you're delusional. And again, I don't want to ruin the movie for people who haven't seen it, but what the motivation of the villain is, is so specific and related to what Simu Liu should have a motivation for as well, Shang-Chi's character, that... Um, it just doesn't make any sense. And and it's so bland. I really couldn't believe it. Everyone else in this movie is excellent. Aquafina's in it. And then, you know, two of the greatest Hong Kong kind of uh, movie uh, stars ever, Tony Leung and Michelle Yeoh. Uh, these guys are just legends. Legends, sure. You know, and, uh, and they're excellent. They're such good actors. And there's also a very famous uh, Academy Award uh, nominated actor who appears in it, who I won't spoil because it's a bit of a surprise. So everybody's great in the movie. It's very well directed. It's very well written, except for the main character. So it's such a funny thing. But I think it's it's worth seeing um, because of the depiction of, of, you know, we have Asian representation as big movie stars and action heroes. Representation is huge. And you just, you opened uh, your conversation about this by saying it's one of the best Marvel movies you've ever seen. So clearly the lead characters, you know, character isn't so bad that it it takes away no, no, no. from the movie it's just so that's bland. great it's just bland and and you know and and they paid such attention to getting asian representation right so uh, a person who appears in it is menger zhang who plays zhu Ziling in the movie and you'll see who that person is later but uh she kicks butt in the movie and uh she had a red streak in her hair and they filmed about a, they were a month into filming and she was just doing some research and she's like, oh, there's a trope now that Asian women in movies can only be a, a, a badass in quotation marks if they have like colored hair, like blue hair, a red hair. Uh, you know, a dyed white hair, and then you, then you're like, oh, that's probably not true. And then you look, you know, in all like action movies and things like that. Uh, and, you know, obviously not ones made in in China and in Asia, but and and it's like a trope. Like if you just have black hair, like most Asian people do naturally, then you're just a meek kind of subservient person, and it's only you know you color your hair now you're this badass. And so she went to the director, Destin Daniel Cretton, and uh, said you know um i think we should change this and he looked it up and couldn't do his own research he's like yeah no I, I agree and they went to marvel and they said you know what we have to do is you know change your hair going forward for the rest of filming and 
go back with visual effects and correct all the stuff. And Marvel said, yep. Oh, I love it. No problem. I love it. What a what a feather in their cap uh, for, for Marvel. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a great story. So anyway, I do I suggest you see it? Absolutely. Uh, and I'm hoping maybe they can expand more on, on um, Shang-Chi's character uh, going forward. Great. So I guess this uh, the 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 worst segue ever is going from a, a bland character to someone who I don't say, think you can call bland. You cannot. We're going to be talking about a Larry David who plays Larry David in Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's the it's the greatest blending of actual person and actor that you've ever scene it's like you don't know where the lines every article written about larry david is like you know people go and meet him for coffee and larry david does larry david so it's like oh this is not a character this is just him it's the worst acting job ever in a sense because he's just being himself there is no acting which and they say that acting is actually being you shouldn't act to, to, so maybe it's the greatest oh, job really? yeah is that what is that what they say they do okay so this is what I wanted to talk to you about today. So I'm watching the new season of Curb and just, you know, I, I love that show. It's it's one of my favorites. It, it's not doesn't get up to Seinfeld levels because it's like this taking the character of George and Larry David's influence on Seinfeld and just blowing it up. And uh, it's it's been going on. I think it's the 11th season now. And it hasn't come out every year, as we know, there have been like up to six year gaps between seasons, but I'm, I'm really liking it. But then it got me thinking about this whole idea of cringe comedy. And I don't know, I'm not sure I really thought about cringe comedy before George Costanza and then Larry David doing Curb Your Enthusiasm, but it's like such a part of our society now. Uh, so I thought we could talk uh, maybe about cringe comedy as a whole, and then we could talk about our thoughts about Larry David and uh, and sure. Well, I would uh, I I would venture to say that you did think about cringe comedy a lot, but never knew you were thinking about something with that name. You just didn't have a title on it, right? You didn't have a label on it. For me, knowing what you've watched, shows that you've watched, I will tell you that you've definitely gone deep into the world of cringe comedy. And for people who don't know what we're talking about when we say cringe comedy. And I'm going to tell you in a second that uh, Larry David himself does not feel like he's cringe comedy, which is a hilarious fact about Larry David. But uh, cringe comedy, for me, the introduction, and maybe for you as well, came with two British shows. Do you know what those two shows are? Two British shows. The Office. British Office? The Office, for sure. Ricky Gervais' character, David Brent, was a master of cringe. You watched him and you were like, no, 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 please don't do that. Please. Oh, my God, he's doing it, right? This is like a big thing. And then there was another. He's, he's one of the OGs. His, his, most of his life has been uh, mastering this idea of, of, of cringe and, 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 you know, social transgressions and, and discomfort and all this kind of stuff. I'm, of course, I'm blanking on the second person. And I feel like I'm in like a test in medical school and I'm like getting You it are wrong. in a test. Okay. Bing, boom, bing, boom. Who is Sasha Baron Cohen? Of course. And the Ali G oh, show. Ali G the Ali G show, show yeah. 
Man, that was like, we didn't know it was called cringe comedy at the time, but you knew you were having like a reaction deep in your stomach about like, oh my God, you just asked like a premier, you just asked a finance minister, one of the most inappropriate questions and you're watching them squirm and you're watching him waiting for an honest answer. And you're like, how did he even get this interview? How did he in interview like a, a president or a future president, like, you know, Donald Trump's of the world, billionaires. You know, high, high, you know, high, high, high earners and, and high status people in the world. Somehow he got to sit down with all of them and make them feel incredibly uncomfortable and make us feel uncomfortable in the process. So that guy's one of the OGs. And a lot of people say Larry Sanders show and Arrested Development were cringe. I don't remember cringing as much with those. Sometimes with Larry because of who he was. But. Uh, you know, there was, a, there was a lot of laughs in there as well. There was a ton of laughs in there as well. Whereas with, you know, the Allergy show, I don't know how much, I, I think I was laughing, but I was also equally just like pain to be watching things. But other shows that, that, that operate in this cringe space, if you, ooh, there's one Canadian guy, if you don't know Nathan Fielder, I encourage you to look up Nathan Fielder. Nathan for you is, uh, that guy's a master of cringe for sure. And people will say that Girls, Lena Dunham's uh, show, was uh, was definitely in that space. Veep, which makes sense, right? With uh, that's that seems to be Julia Louis Dreyfus's um, roots. Uh, extras, which again, Ricky Gervais doing what he does best, and of course, everything else that that you know Borat, obviously, right? And everything that Sasha Baron Cohen does, almost, and uh, yeah. By the way, as an aside, I just watched a preview for there's a new comedy, and that's not a comedy, there's a new uh, show on Disney Plus that's coming out uh, called Willow, which is based on the movie Willow. Do you remember Willow from in the 80s, Mad Mardigan and uh, Warwick Davis is in it, and they had a little preview for it where it's Warwick Davis interviewing the cast of the show. But I don't know if you've ever seen Life's Too Short with Warwick Davis, which was a show created by Ricky Gervais for him, for Warwick Davis, and where Warwick Davis plays like an annoying version of himself, like a very similar to like a David Brent or uh, or extras kind of person, like just a super annoying, like, does you know, doesn't really realize how... Um, annoying and, and cringy he is and it's him acting like that interviewing his castmates and like it, it is quite funny i'm sure that's not what the show is going to be about it's because he's playing the character willow right so um it was just a really funny idea to to do it in this kind of cringe comedy way uh anyway people should check that out if they're um online good recommendation i don't know if people ever I go will. online but, yeah, uh, yeah. i think they might yeah so it's an interesting now, when I say interesting, you know, there are theorists who've talked about this. There's this guy, uh, he's a humor theorist, Noel Carroll. I mean, he's much more than that. He's film studies, a philosopher, and God, if you thought that, you know, breaking comedy down and explaining a joke was boring, uh, humor theory is possibly the worst thing you can do to comedy. Uh, I mean, we'll, you can literally hear people stop listening if we go too far into what a humor theorist does. But, you know, the, the idea of cringe comedy is that you're either the type of person who finds something amusing or you find, uh, you know, it, it, it annoying. 
but once you find something amusing, you cannot find it annoying. This is his, this this incongruity theory, right? You in in relation to being annoyed, those two things are completely uh, separate. And uh, so, if you find Larry David and curb your in, uh, curb your enthusiasm annoying, it's just not going to get you, right? You're no you're you're out. You're out. So it, it's a very interesting show in that way. It's it's quite divisive. And while I don't find it annoying, I find it. I got a two show maximum. I cannot, I could never do, I found this out because I tried. I could never do a, uh, a Curb Your Enthusiasm marathon. And I didn't know this about myself. I tried. I was at my friend Q's house. We were just sort of, you know, recovering from a weekend of whatever it was, doing what we did. And, uh, I was upstairs in his house. He was downstairs and I just had, you know, his TV to myself. And I'm like, I'm going to watch Curb all afternoon. This is going to be a wonderful hungover afternoon. And uh, I got two shows and that was it. And I remember trying it again and two shows. I was like, it's a lot. It's a lot on my uh, my psyche, maybe my soul. I'm not even sure. But I have a limit with Curb, but I enjoy it. But I'm like, number three will no longer be enjoy- enjoyable you do not concur with that no no no. i agree i agree i i i find i have to watch it sometimes i cover my eyes when i'm watching it or i literally say out loud oh no oh no like, like you know again it's a tv show but it just it's just his his attitude because it's like when you're Say you're with a bunch of people and you're you're meeting your your friends. Say I'm meeting some of your friends, right? And you get into a disagreement with a friend, like a friendly disagreement about something, right? Usually, in the back of your head, so one person will say, "Well, listen, you know, I'm Ali's friend. Asif's Ali's friend. I don't really want to cause any more tension. I'll just drop it, right? Or I'm not going to keep pushing them and and, and get upset about it." And I mean, I know you know people like this, Ali, who don't drop it and keep pushing forward. But Larry David is such an extreme example of this that he will keep going. And especially at minor things, right? That's the other thing about him. It's not something major. It's a minor thing. But Well, here's the interesting thing about that, right? This is This is a couple of conflicting things that I have going on in my brain. Number one, as comedians... We love going into the minutiae of something. So Larry David was talking about how, you know, when he and Jerry Seinfeld were friends in the late 70s, they would go to some, you know, Korean store to pick up something, whatever it was, so some, some corner store, Korean owned, and they would spend an inordinate, like normal human beings would not do this. They would spend a ton of time making fun of all these um like candies and other like gift wrapped things at the counter in a Korean store in particular, it's just things that Americans are unfamiliar with, but it looks like something that, that somebody packed like a fig bar uh, with no nutritional information, no packaging, no branding, just looks like somebody wrapped that in their basement. And it would be like, what is that? Who, who needs that? Who comes in and say, and then they would talk about, you know, each item and go into the, and I love that as a comedian. I love going into the minutiae and I find it gets funnier and funnier the deep deeper you go. As a human being, I I almost rail against details and it's very frustrating for close friends and people like my wife who's like, "Wait, so what did they say that? They said this and I'm like, I don't know." 
Like, no, you do know what it, tell me what she said exactly, because that's important to me for this. And like, yeah, I don't know. I just put it out of my head. It's very strange that I do that. I love it for comedy and for life. I'm like, eh, everyone just drop it. Just drop everything, everyone. And I don't know why that is. But I was going to ask you something you said before. You said that Larry David doesn't think that he's being cringeworthy Listen, or man, cringy it's, or whatever the it, term that's is. That's the most hilarious thing to me of all of this. Is, do we have it wrong? Because this is one of the most hyper aware, uh, aware human beings. He knows exactly what he's doing at all times. He knows what he's doing, even when he doesn't want to do it. Right? He's, he, he's, he's very, very um, intensely aware of who he is and what's happening around him at all times. There's an article on, on Complex.com with Larry David from 2020. So this was a recent thing where people talk about him. You know, I guess the, 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 the person who was interviewing him, the reporter, was probably like, I'm going to talk to the master of cringe comedy. And was probably very surprised to hear Larry David say things like, oh, when I hear that there's moments in my show that make people cringe, uh, I, he was, I was shocked. It never occurred to me. And he said, furthermore, if something made me cringe, I don't think I'd put it in the show. He simply says the reason these things are in the show is that he felt every single thing that's there is he's relatably, uh, he's doing things that are relatably funny. And that's the end of story for, for Larry David. And furthermore, he goes, I don't think I ever put anything mean in there. You can't tell me I put anything that was mean. Show me, show me one place. And if that's ever been an invitation to argue about minutiae, that was it right there. Because I can, I can think of it a hundred different times. But he's like, no, that's not mean. When I go and tell this young girl to stop singing... You know, I mean, he goes, uh, I'm, it's not mean. Uh, also, I would never do that. It's the, it's the disconnect between a girl who's a terrible singer and I'm standing there going, I wish I could tell her to stop singing, but I can't. And then, you know, on the show, it's like Larry David goes ahead and does that. Right. So that's, that's the thing, because there's a bit of wish fulfillment in the character of Larry David, because he's saying the things we wish we could say. And, and, and you're like, I can't believe it. But that's what he's saying. It's these relatable things. Uh, a recent episode that, that aired a few weeks ago was about this concept of middling. And it's not middling like what you guys call middling, which is uh, comedians call middling, which is you have a headliner, an opening act, and the person in the middle is, is, is middling. Um, he means when you're sitting at a table at a dinner party and you have two people at the head and then three people on the long sides of a rectangular table, the person in the middle is the, mo is, a, is the most important person because they're the ones that are keeping the conversation going. They're almost the center uh, of attention and they're talking to the people on the right, the left, across. It's the most important thing. And at this dinner party, um, they chose two boring people to sit in the middle. And and then Larry's like, I'm a good middler. I'm going to – and he made the people switch places in the middle of the dinner party to make the conversation more lively. But the funniest part of that is when you, when you watch it, you're like, oh my gosh, that's so true. And the greatest part is the other people in the, in the show also agreed with him except for the two people in the middle. And they uh, – and, and, and when you have that going on where other people are agreeing with him and you're watching it as a viewer and agreeing with him, I just think – it means he's hitting on something, right? Yeah, absolutely. But it's – like, if you're just talking about 
episodes that you, you you like, which and I wanted to bring up one of your favorites. Like there's that carpool lane episode where he picks up this prostitute to so that he can drive in the HOV lane in the carpool lane. Like I I mean that's I don't think I don't know. I don't know. And I, I have a comedic mind, but I've never thought like it would be interesting to get a, a prostitute in the car just to save money on uh, carpooling or just to get into that lane. I just I love that so much. I mean, I didn't think that was like, oh, yes, that's something we all wish we could do. No, it's more like he's so unbelievable that he he kind of does that. Uh, right. Like he, he takes it to the, the biggest extreme. But yeah. So since we're since we're talking about it, why don't we. Um, just talk about some of our favorite, uh, you know, curb moments, curb episodes. Do you have any kind of that come to mind? Yeah, I mean, I have one that comes to mind that cannot be spoken about on this podcast. Since you said S word, I certainly can't talk about the dialogue that crazy eyes killer. This is Wanda Sykes uh, gets engaged to this rapper named Crazy Eyes. And, you know, he starts telling Larry David he loves cheating on his fiance and, you know, Eventually, Larry blurts it out, and and um, then you know there's this like gangster rapper who's basically out to kill uh, Larry, and it's it's fantastic. It's like really, I love that whole thing, and I don't feel like I've seen enough of. If you want to know who Chris Williams is, if you ever seen Dodgeball, he was this black guy in Dodgeball. He has like beautiful, beautiful green gray eyes. Uh, and, uh, I just thought it was like a great role for him and to watch, uh, Larry kind of, you know, at one point, like he's, he's like sort of colorblind. He doesn't see color, but at the same time, he points out obvious things that have to do with race. And it's, uh, I don't know. It's great. That is season three. So I've watched all of season one, two, and three, and then little bits of four and five and six here and there. Uh, but I, I love those episodes. I also loved when, when, um, Leon Black came into the mix. And Leon Black is played by uh, J.B. Smoove, who's a comedian and actor. And J.B. Smoove, I actually got to witness uh, J.B. Smoove playing Leon Black outside of uh, the show, which I think is, he probably took that cue from Larry David himself, who is like always the Larry David. But I was asked once at Just for Laughs one year, and I, I knew one of the programmers well. He's like, hey, man, can I ask you to do something on stage at Just for Laughs? I was like, what? Am I going to be performing? Oh, my God, this is unbelievable. He's like, no, that is not what's happening. This is about six, seven years ago. He said, um, JB Smoove is doing late night, a live late night talk show format, and it's late night with Leon Black. And he's going to have guests on, and he wants to have a chef there on stage and the sh and, and he wants to have a hot tub there. So he had like a hot tub on the stage. He had, and I was a chef in the corner and he'd be like, yo man, make me, uh, make me some croissants, make me some croissants, put some strawberries in them croissants and then pour some champagne over it. And I was just like, you want me to pour champagne on the croissant? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so and then they're eating like croissants with strawberries and uh, and champagne uh, poured into this, uh, you know, croissant, into a hole in the croissant. Just like ri ridiculous, ridiculous. This is late night with Leon Black, but I was the chef that did that. So I got to watch that up close. And then after that, I revisited some Leon Black episodes. And I, I liked it. I remember at the time, for me at the time, it felt a little bit improv when I watched it. But then as I uh, as I went back and looked at it, I was like, oh, yeah, this there's there's genius here in terms of rhythm and pacing and story. This is 
This is really, really well done. Yeah, I think JB's move, he understands the character of Leon Black so well. And, and that's why he's able to respond like, you know, JB's move doesn't sound like that in real life, right? But he, the, the way he plays Leon. And of course, there's a whole season where his family, extended family, gets displaced from Hurricane yeah. Katrina. Move and in. Black family moves in, like the literal Black family. Uh, so I love, I love that, that episode. Uh, for me, it's moments, right? There are some episodes. The Palestinian chicken from season eight is, you know, uh, Larry David feeling this conflict that he's going to this uh, restaurant that makes amazing chicken, but they're they're you know um, anti-Israel, and he has to like uh, you know reconcile that uh, you know in the way that he would. Uh, there's there's that there's. There's an episode in season five where Richard Lewis needs a kidney and Larry David's supposed to be the donor. And uh, then he, Larry David finds out he was like, uh, he's not Jewish. He's like uh Christian. And it's, it's really um, funny because then when he realizes he's Christian, he totally changes the way he acts. He doesn't complain about anything. He's like a good Samaritan. And then he finds out, no, actually that was wrong. He is Jewish. Then he goes back to his own uh, his own ways. And then he, it seemed like actually that was going to be the end of the series because it's called The End. And he goes to heaven and he ends up getting an, into an argument with an angel in heaven and, and went over some minutia as well. So it seemed like that was going to be the end, but then it's gone on for like five more seasons after that. That Palestinian chicken episode, you know, that that episode has been called like a, a, actually a brilliant examination of Israel-Palestine, that the, the conflict, because not only is he, you know, interested in that chicken he's also dating a woman who he's getting turned on by her saying like deeply uh grotesque anti-semitic things to him in bed it's like a real examination he's like i'm an occupier it's unbelievable what's is super you know i don't know if everybody knows this i think it's common knowledge but that improv thing that you alluded to you know it's not a fully written script and and furthermore, when they started, I love Ted Danson talking about this. Ted Danson's been a recurring character. He was there in the first season. And Ted was talking about like how, you know, Larry would just call you and be like, hey, are you free to come by? Are you free to come by tomorrow? Like, this is not how the acting world works. Agents are involved. There's booking. There's call sheets. There's like many different factors that go into. And Ted Danson was like, he was, this is like, this was like guerrilla TV making, you know? Larry goes, are you free tomorrow? You come by here. There's no trailer. You know, just wear whatever. You, you just, uh, you know, wait in your car and we'll call you when we need you to come on set. Like, ridiculous. Ridiculous. Ted Danson. This man was a legend at that time. He'd done Sam Malone on Cheers. He was a Becker. And you're having Ted Danson come in. Now, granted, some people say that Curb resurrected Ted Danson's career and turned him into this, uh, I don't know. I'm not sure about that either. I, he, he was always a legend in, in my mind for, for, for years. But there were years where we didn't see too much of Ted Danson. But the point being that this was like as, I mean, just wear whatever you want. That's crazy. There's no wardrobe department. Uh, it's really like the roots of this show are really something pretty special. But that's who Larry David is. People are like, yeah, whatever it takes. I'll work with Larry David. Sure. This, I'm not going to be calling my agent and being like, this is ridiculous. We can't 
had this happen. Uh, I deserve more. It's just like just calling his friends to sort of goof around and improv a little bit. Well, it's interesting you mentioned those connections to uh, Sasha Baron Cohen because Larry Charles was one of the big directors uh, for Curb, and then he directed um, Borat as well, right? So it's it's the first movie. So it, it, there's all these kind of connections. So for me, the, the other kind of main plot lines I love is the most recent season, season 10 from, from last year or a couple of years ago. Uh, it's where he <laughs> creates a coffee shop beside a coffee shop that kind of wronged him called latte larry so he creates his own coffee shop just to get back at the person so it's the concept of a spite store and then i guess that that takes off and then lots of other people have uh have spite stores in that same season john, john ham appears as himself because he has to play a larry david type character in a in a in a tv show or a movie or something like that so he follows larry david around and tries to act like jerk like larry david it's 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 so good but my favorite uh season is season seven okay i've heard and because I've heard good you things. know we people know yeah people know that i'm a huge seinfeld fan and so seinfeld never has done a reunion and i probably won't ever do a reunion but this is the closest because the plot line of all of season seven is that larry dave is trying to get everybody back together for a seinfeld reunion so all the main uh, actors come back uh, as if they're they're doing it, and they do a table read and stuff like that. And it's it's Larry David causing all these problems as Larry David in getting this um, Seinfeld reunion done. So to me, that's the peak because it's an amazing season of Curb, and you get that Seinfeld reunion that everybody wants, but not in the way you think. It's almost in a perfect way because it's a Larry David kind of way, and he sabotages everything. And uh, season seven is when he got beat up, I think, twice by Rose. Rosie O'Donnell, uh, right? He's got the, there's that uh, Denise handicapped episode as well as season seven. There's uh, um, I've seen more of season seven than I than I thought I have actually, and I really liked uh, the multiple appearances on uh, on Curb by Bob Einstein. Now I don't know people may not know Bob Einstein, but you will know his various characters. And as a kid, I used to watch a show called Bizarre with John Biner and Super Dave would be i mean it was all the funny he was like this terrible stuntman who would always fail a stunt and john minor you know they would do a stunt and he would get completely squished by something something falls on him and all you see is a helmet lying on two feet and he'd be like super dave super dave are you okay and he's just talking to a helmet on a pair of uh of shoes and he'd be like, my mm is in my me. How do you think I'm doing, John, you idiot? And I just remember as a kid being like, this is so funny. It's so ridiculously funny. But I uh, I was a big fan of that guy. And, you know, at some level, you're like, oh, I wonder what ever happened to that guy. And then you saw him again. And then he comes back as Marty Funkhauser and Curb Your, uh, your Enthusiasm. And it was, uh, it was fantastic. I love that guy. And if you think he looks like Albert Brooks, by the way, he's he's his older brother. He's the older brother. He was the older brother. He no, passed away. I yeah, didn't know that. yeah, 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 yeah. I knew that. I know that. Immediately. Yeah, so he passed. Yeah, he passed away a couple of years ago. 
Yeah, it's sad. And uh, of course, Vince Vaughn plays his nephew now on on, on Curb. So uh, Vince Vaughn is kind of carrying on the Funkhauser uh, tradition. So it's funny. We have Larry David, who's 74 now, still making hilarious television. And of course, all of his compatriots uh, on the show, uh, Richard Lewis, etc., all kind of getting older, uh, but still hilarious and still kind of these kings of cringe comedy. Which I guess maybe this getting older uh, ties us into uh, andropause or male menopause. Okay, so I've heard you say both uh, andropause and I've heard you say male menopause. I'm not as familiar with the term andropause, although it's probably come across the radar. I just haven't paid as much attention. But male menopause definitely uh, catches your uh, catches your eye and it catches your ear when you hear it as a man. And my first thoughts are obviously, okay, is it a real thing or is it something uh, pharmaceutical industry is trying to coin uh, so that they can make some money off of it. So that's the first question I want to ask is, is it a thing? Is male menopause something that exists? Yeah, and as as often, like both your statements are right. It is a thing, but it's also something that drug companies are trying to uh, get people's attention about to make money. And I, you know, I even use the term male menopause um, in our in our transition a few minutes ago. But even that is not it's not really correct. And I think people don't like to u- use that term um, because menopause. We've talked about. We had uh, the amazing Jen Gunter on our show talking about menopause. Menopause is, for women, ovulation ends, their hormone production changes over a relatively short period of time of of several years. But in men, what we're talking about is the gradual uh, decrease in testosterone production uh, and some other hormones over time. And so it's A, slower, and B, the consequences aren't really clear. And so we you know, andropause is kind of used, uh, you know, by the lay press at this t- kind of male menopause term, but really it's called late onset hypogonadism. So that's the, the, the medical term. I recognize a word. Gonads. Gonads. I know what those are. Oh, so hypo. God. So hyper would be like uh, overactive gonads, um, testicles. Hypo would be underactive, hence the... Not hence, but uh, thereby uh, leading to the idea of, you know, less testosterone production, right? We were talking about steroids in our last episode and HGH. Your testicles shrink, you were saying, because you don't need to produce as much testosterone. Is that right? Because you're getting it. You're getting it injected in your body or added. It's not necessarily that 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 they shrink, but the testosterone does go down over time. But it's a very slow decrease. So after age forty, testosterone levels decrease at about one percent a year. Uh, but even still, most men will still have testosterone levels in the normal range, even with that decrease. And only ten to twenty five percent, if you do the test properly will have uh, levels that are considered to go. So, what do you mean only? 10 to 25% is huge. One in four, four men are having you know low testosterone. I'm sure it's an issue. I guess so, but 75% don't. Oh, that's a good way. Look at you, cat, a cup half full. For the first time in your life. No, you've done that before. I think I come, I come at this from an interesting perspective because I started losing my hair in my early 20s and everybody was like, 
it just means you have uh, like you know overactive testosterone. You've used it, and I was like, yeah, I'll I'll take my hair back and lose my testosterone if it's really uh, if it's a choice. But like somebody like me uh, or Larry David, if we refer back to like you know people who are balding from an early age, it is that is testosterone, correct? That that's is right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. But are we still at risk thirty years later? Like, is my hair going to grow back is what I'm asking you. My hair is never going to grow back. Right? It's not. It's not going to grow back. But you, but you, Larry David, anyone, it doesn't really matter what your testosterone levels were before. You're still at risk of this age-related decline. Okay, okay. Right? So I'm not but in the clear because I'm like, I was not told. necessarily, no. I have indication right on my own skull that I have high testosterone. Those days have passed. That happened at one point, and now... There will never be any more hair, but there still could be testosterone issues. Okay, all right. So what does it look like? What is low testosterone? Uh, how does it manifest itself in a, in a male body? Yeah, so when... So the most specific kind of things that you could see is um, reduced sexual desire and activity, uh, decreased spontaneous or morning erections. Okay. Should I go through a checklist with you and go, no, yes, no, yes, as you go through it? Ah, maybe we won't do that, but all right. So sexual but, but, desire, but, erection. Yeah, and, and infertility. Those are kind of uh, a lot of the, the, the main things that people look at. You can also have hot flushes uh, or, or, or sweating. You know, oh, okay. Uh, so that's very sweating. similar to the yeah. menopause. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but so those are kind of the main ones. And if you look at, uh, we're linked to some of these articles which talk about the very specific uh, signs and symptoms. So uh, you could have, you can have small testes. That's usually in 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 young people who have testosterone deficiency, and that could be due to other kind of uh, medical or genetic reasons. But uh, but we said decreased libido, the erections. You could have breast discomfort. You could have gynecomastia, which we talked about, I think, in our previous episodes. That's breast development in a man. We talked about that in the steroid episode. And, and infertility, right? Infertility is a big thing. So if you uh, have, uh, you know, you, men who are under age 40, but who've been trying to have, have children and they can't, and, and maybe they have a low sperm count when that's checked by their fertility doctors, that could be the reason why. Any connection with vasectomies? No, no. Where you made yourself, uh, you know, infertile, no. so to speak? It doesn't... No, it's, and it's because the vasectomy is just kind of like cutting off this, uh, this tube, essentially, but the production of sperm is still there. And you can also have height loss and like fractures, like fractures in your spine or things like that. And that's also sometimes a thing. So those are suggestive of testosterone deficiency, but there's a lot of other nonspecific symptoms. Uh, and this is where I think you're going to see a problem come in. So the nonspecific symptoms are decreased energy and motivation and confidence, low mood, poor concentration, increased sleepiness, reduced muscle bulk and increased body fat. Okay. So like every man over 55, basically? Right. Like, I mean, I mean, these are confidence symptoms. necessarily. Some men get more no. and more confident as they get older, but... Uh, yeah, a lot of those things just seem like uh, across the board things. I'm sleepy right now, and it's right, first thing exactly. in the morning. Yeah. What the I heck? Know. I'm tired constantly, and so we ha there's that fatigue, and maybe that fatigue is due to something else, like sleep apnea or something like that. Maybe, and maybe these things are are correlated differently. So you know, oh, I'm not, uh, I'm depressed. I'm not saying I am, but I'm pretend I'm a person. Pretend I'm Joe Average. Uh, pretend you're a person is hilarious. You're a robot. Well, yes. some people. For the sake of pretending, for the sake of pretending, just for this one episode, 
you're a person. Go on. And say I'm depressed, that I'm not exercising as much, and of course, body fat is increasing, and then maybe I get sleep apnea because my BMI is increasing. So there's many reasons that this could happen. You don't have to all pin it on low testosterone. So that's where things become a bit complicated because now you're having some very vague, non-specific symptoms that people are trying to tie in to low uh, testosterone. The other stuff, especially with regards to uh, sexual desire, sexual function, libido, that, that's a bit different. That's, that's a bit more concrete. These other ones are a bit more vague. Right? So, I mean, with the vague symptoms, people should probably still go get tested because there might be other things happening. But with those larger main symptoms, as you were saying, that uh, libido, erection, uh, testicular shrinkage, that's when people should probably get uh, tested for um, low testosterone. Right. I, I 100% agree with what you said. See? Oh, I was slowly, asking a question. I know, but you're slowly doing, becoming but, um, a doctor. So that's, that's good. It would just take, not a real doctor. It would just take 80 years of this podcast. So, yes, um, perfect. So, uh, I agree. If you're having those non-specific symptoms, you better get those checked out because, again, there could be many things that are going on. But then your specific question was, yeah, but if you're having some of these more specific symptoms, should you get tested uh, for testosterone deficiency? Uh, which is a, a good question. And you should. But again, just like everything in, in medicine, it seems it, it, there's some complications with this. You cannot just go and just get a testosterone level done. It's not a blood test, by the way, right? It it's, is a blood test. It is a blood test. It is it? Yeah. Okay. But there are some caveats to this. And again, if, if you, it's being ordered by someone who doesn't know these caveats, then it becomes different. So you need to, so certain things can influence your testosterone levels. So one is eating that can, that can, that can do it. Other diseases can also influence your testosterone level. So when you get a testosterone level done, you need to do it first thing in the morning because it fluctuates a lot based on time of day. So it has to be first thing in the morning, has to be fasting. Okay. And the other thing that's been shown by a lot of these endocrinology experts is that uh, just one sample isn't good enough. You need to do it at least two times. And if you have it confirmed low on two occasions, that that would be considered that would be considered testosterone deficiency. But when we do a blood test, you may have seen this if you ever had a blood test done, Ali. We have these normal values, right? Uh, that um, we know the normal age uh, ranges based on someone's age, uh, maybe uh, gender, height, etc. And then we can tell you this is the normal range. But there's essentially a lot of unqualified labs that do testosterone testing, uh, especially in the U.S. So you have to make sure it gets tested by a accurate lab who has accurate normal values. So they know in their lab they've tested what the normal range is and what's outside the normal range. Because again, that can give you false readings. So there's a lot of things to kind of think about in this. But if you do all those steps or your doctor does all those steps, then you, you know, could then be labeled as having hypogonadism or testosterone deficiency. How do you treat it then? I guess you're, the test is a carefully administered blood test more than once from a accredited uh, clinic or a reputable clinic. Uh, once you find out that you have it, what is, what's the next right. step? So, and this is where you may have seen this. So I find these types of commercials are often on Sunday uh, morning and afternoon, the news shows, right? They know who's watching uh, news shows on uh, on a weekend. The most depressed. 
Catering to the most depressed. Uh, yeah, usually men, probably over 55, are watching these things. And so there's been a lot of direct-to-consumer marketing, right, for, for these types of uh, testosterone replacements. Uh, and there's there's different ones. One of the problems is you can't just take it uh, by mouth. Usually there are some newer formulations that are coming that you can take by mouth. But the problem Which orifice do you take it in? <laughs> The problem is, is it um, gets metabolized through the liver when you take it by mouth, and that can cause liver toxicity. There's a, there's some new oral ones that you that you that you take, which are metabolized. It, it's actually uh, absorbed through your lymphatic system, like your lymph nodes, which is a very interesting way for a drug to be absorbed. But that that's that's a bit different, so that might bypass that. But there's different ways. There's gel. You can you can rub this gel on your body. Body anywhere? Uh, certain places. Usually, it's the skin of your upper arm or shoulder or the front and inner thigh. Thought you were going to say right on the gonads, but there's no. Uh, the, the, the human body is a marvel. It continues to surprise me relentlessly. Okay, so on your skin, injections. There's a patch that you can apply. Um, there's even one that you can put in your cheek and it, and it, it gets absorbed kind of like chewing tobacco. <laughs> like, oh, I was going to say like a nitrolingual. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that's, that's maybe a better example since wow. that's actually a medicine. Chewing tobacco, eh, doc? Yeah. Okay. There's a nasal gel, uh, that you can be pumped in the nostrils and there's even implantable pellets. So imagine putting up <laughs> like a Pez dispenser and then you take the little Pez pellet and go underneath your, um underneath your skin and then it gets absorbed over time so there's so you know there, there are some complications with regards to the treatment but these are the ways that you'd uh, do it and then you can follow people's testosterone levels over time you don't want to tell us about the complications <laughs> and the side effects for the treatment you just want to leave that vague listen man there's always potential complications and this is why again you don't want to just start doing this unless you've proven that you have testosterone deficiency the biggest concern is that uh, testosterone can worsen prostate disease so can worsen prostate cancer or something else called benign prostatic hypertrophy wait sorry let me just make sure i understand clearly having low testosterone naturally does not affect your prostate. It's the treatment specifically. Correct. correct. Yeah. That okay. Okay. Oh. And so, so you got to be careful, right? You don't. You don't want to worsen prostate disease. So, obviously, you need to be screened for that before you start the therapy, and then afterwards, you need to um, be monitored for for prostate disease. And so that's that's one thing to worry about. There's also some concerns that it can actually cause what's called polycythemia, which is increase your red blood cell production, actually makes, makes your blood thicker, um, is one way of thinking about it. There are also are some reports that may increase your risk for cardiac disease or sleep apnea. Uh, again, I'm not sure that that's been proven. Again, people can correct me if I'm wrong, if there's any uh, endocrinologists or experts in, in andropause or male hypogonadism <laughs> listening, that definitely let me know if, I, in the, if I'm wrong about that. For, for my reading, it's, that's not completely... Um, I don't know. I think, you know, as you talk about treatment, and I, if anybody is in need of this treatment, I apologize for being, you know, jokey about it. That's just what I do. But I look, 50 is in my front mirror, like I, I front mirror. My front windshield, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm getting older and I'm, I'm subject to all of this as well. But I think like so many things, 
you know, especially with the, the fragility of the male ego being uh, such a real thing, I think there may be a lot of people who are reluctant to go and get this treatment or explore it because then you have it on paper. You see the words low testosterone and what what makes you a man like this is well, this is why I brought up the fact that I was balding and everybody would say, don't worry, more testosterone. And it was meant to be consolation. It was meant to be like, hey, don't worry. It just means you're more of a man. Now, when you're balding, it, that does nothing for you. But but that's that's the, you know, that's the, the, the what do you want to call it? It's the conventional wisdom. That's the, the, the party line. You're a man, testosterone. And so therefore, by that logic, what so many men have, when your testosterone is, is uh, shrinking or, 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 you know, depleted in some way, there are many, many men clearly who would feel like, I'm not a man anymore. That's I feel like half a man. So, yeah. what's the? Do you have psychologists involved no. in stuff like this? He, yeah, and I don't. I don't. I never. I you know. I never thought about that. That's probably a really good point. And I wonder if some of these uh, clinics that look into this do have supports like that. It's it's a really good point. I think it's more the opposite, though. I think um, as much as that might be embarrassing for somebody, I think. Um, what I get worried about is a lot of these nonspecific symptoms, uh, you know, low mood, depression, uh, no motivation, no libido. As we talked about, those can be just depression. And I wonder, I would challenge you, Ali, maybe talking about depression is less socially acceptable than talking about low testosterone. Low testosterone, oh yeah, I got low testosterone, I'm going to take that because probably what will happen when you take the testosterone, in addition to improving a lot of those um those symptoms of libido and motivation and things like that you probably will lose some body fat and put on some muscle so you know maybe that's that's something that that people are interested in and right and, it has and, a quicker yeah. fix than depression exactly. does right depression involves truly working on yourself and going deep into the recesses of your mind sometimes yeah really and figure maybe out taking medication uh for for depression which again uh, has a stigma attached to it so yeah, I, I wonder. So that I would kind of throw that back at you, and I wonder, I, I wonder if if this would be more accepting to people. But listen, my our listeners should let us know if if people have thought about this, if if they're dealing with this. Very curious to know. And yeah, you know, if you you write to us and you'd like to speak anonymously, you know. Asif knows a little bit about that. You 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 have a code of ethics you operate by, right, Asif? No? Yes? Maybe? Um, so yeah, anything you uh, want to share with us, we've enjoyed that quite a bit, um, reading listener emails and, and also suggestions that come up. That's our show for today. I hope two things came out of this show at the very least. Number one, uh, you're willing to explore the world of Larry David and curb your enthusiasm a little bit more if you haven't already. And number two, if uh, testosterone um, and the presence of it in your body as a man is an issue, I hope uh, this, this, this inspired you to maybe, you know, uh, look into it, get tested, get help if you need it. And uh and and not ignore it because uh, men 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 are good at that. Men are. I learned that from my father. Right. It's the it's the equivalent of like, uh, do you hear that noise from the from the engine of the car? Sure do. Let's turn up the radio. You know, <laughs> right. and we don't do, do that, that, but with our bodies. We do that with our own bodies. Many men do. And if you don't, you know, you have my 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 respect, and I I hold you in in high admiration. But uh, yeah, these are things that you should definitely 
you know, get a hold of quickly before they get away from so you. So definitely we encourage people, uh, if you're having those symptoms, talk to your doctor. As we said, maybe it is low testosterone, maybe it's not. So you need to balance those things out. Uh, but remember that although I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor. So I'm not giving you medical advice. And really the issues we talk about are for your interest and information only. So please consult your medical professionals for actual medical advice. Remember, reach out to us. We're very curious to see what people think about this episode. Do you uh, like Curb Your Enthusiasm? Do you hate it because of the cringiness of it? And what about this idea of uh, low testosterone and andropause? Um, let us know, uh, Dr. V Comedian. Uh, we're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Dr. V Comedian at gmail.com is our uh, email address. Let us know what you think. Uh, that's it for today. Thank you, everybody. And any reviews? Positive. I shouldn't say any reviews. If you'd like to, re if you'd like to leave us, uh, uh, you know, a, a five-star review, we would very much appreciate that. As you know, that helps the algorithms that that help people listen to our show and 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 see our show and come across our show. We'd love that, and any feedback is always welcome. That is it. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.